This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology. We retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 216 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have the origin tale, the framing device of one of the great epics of world folklore. This is the A Thousand and One Nights. This is the Arabian Nights. This is the tale of Shahrazad. But before we get down to that, a big welcome to any new, any returning listeners. If this is your first episode, this episode is a little bit of a departure from what we normally do on Fireside, where we mainly alternate between Irish mythology and folklore but at the moment every third tale we're exploring a world tale to expand our breadth and our understanding of everything folklore mythology and storytelling wise and it's very exciting to be sampling a tale from such an incredible and storied text as the arabian nights is but if you're a returning listener you know all about that and then thank you so much for your continued support please do follow me over on instagram at fireside bar that's the best place to get in touch with me send me a message any thoughts queries or if you just want to say hello and if you're not on social media you can email me at the fireside bar at gmail.com i love hearing from each and every one of you if you want to support this podcast in a more direct way you can buy my book garden sea that's my favorite way for you to support the podcast which you can get in paper back from the Headstuff website or in Kindle version from Amazon. We can ship the paperback anywhere around the world. Thank you to those who continue to buy it. Um, it's still my favorite thing to be sending it all around to new homes. Um, and the final way is, of course, you can support Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And all of the links are in the description below. Those are the cells out of the way. Now it's time to get down to brass tacks. Uh, I'm recording to you again from home here in uh, Wicklow, uh, from the home studio, so to speak. Um, I am... I'm slowly but surely getting back into the proper rhythm and routine and weekly rhythm of uh, Fireside, which is great because there's been a lot of disarray of the podcast, as you know, over the last couple of months, those who listen regularly. But uh, I'm slowly but surely getting back to it and we will make up for the couple of weeks um, where there was a story only every second week or whatever. I will catch back up to where we should be by this point in the year. Um, But... Definitely good news. I'm definitely feeling a lot better and feeling a lot more in control of things after a very, very troubling 2023 so far. Um, I'm starting to feel a bit more settled into the new rhythm and routine of my 
both home life and work life, which is good. I'm nearly finished, finally finished up and on the final part of the edits of my novel um, and settled more vocally into um, the the work that I'm doing at night, which is I'm mostly playing Irish folk music and doing literary tours around Dublin. Um, so again, anybody, especially from overseas who's around Dublin or visiting Ireland over the summer, do let me know if you're around Dublin and you want to do like a literary tour or come along and see me play some live music in the pubs around town. It'd be great to meet any listeners of the podcast. That's always a very special thing when I get to do that. Um, and still vocally you'll be able to hear i'm still a little bit hoarse i'm gigging seven or eight times a week at the moment usually which is great to be able to say it's what i wanted to do with my time here my first summer in ireland in a long time Um, but naturally it does take a lot of getting used to physically as well as anything else um and but it's good to get a bit of vocal iron back and so that to be able to not only do the gigs but also to be able to record Fireside with the standard that I would want from it. But with that out of the way I'll get down to the tale. So those who've been listening um, over the past couple of months know that I nearly did a story from the 1001 Nights a few weeks ago but it just got a bit too big for me because how these tales are structured means there's a lot of stories within stories so a lot of them were too long too expansive too detailed and for the purposes of doing on an episode of Fireside they needed a little bit more care and time and effort and so I decided but having looked at a few other sources they're just too important this is as far as uh, western literature is concerned this is like the most popular collection of stories the most popular and and acclaimed book that we know that has come out of the Eastern world. And certainly apart from the Grimm tales, this is the other big collection of world folklore, which is which we know as the Arabian Nights, but that is a, a westernized name of it. It is known as the A Thousand and One Nights in in from its Persian origins and in ancient Arabia and still to this present day. And it encompasses many different countries and cultures that all have their own versions of it but this is the origin story and the framing story and I was going to do one of the other tales from the the heart of the text but the framing device when I discovered this the background to it and that it was a story in itself seemed too uh, interesting and fascinating and it's a very different kind of story than anyone we've done before it has a real brutality to it but a real humanity and center to it is what is always one of my favorite themes is the theme of storytelling itself and of the power of it and that's that's a really lovely universal theme that I love exploring because you see that any of these great cultures that have built up uh, around storytelling whether it's Irish or Norse or Persian or German or wherever they always have this as a center and that's so universal and unifying and makes it all seem like one world um, which is always very very fascinating to me and makes it feel like this is the right thing to do to be sampling these stories from all around so with that in mind we will of course chat more afterwards but this is the incredible Shahrazad and the A Thousand and One Nights on Fireside Shahrazad and the A Thousand and One Nights 
Long ago, in ancient Persia, there lived a Sassani king with two sons. Both boys grew into mighty hunters, each destined to become great kings themselves. The elder son, Shahariar, inherited his father's kingdom, but the younger brother, Shazaman, became sultan of the land of Samarkand. The two brothers each married and ruled respectively for the next twenty years. But after such a long time, King Shariar began to miss the company of his younger brother. So the king sent his royal vizier, Jafar, his most trusted advisor, to Samarkand to invite Shazaman home. The vizier traveled the many long and dangerous miles and finally arrived at the kingdom of Samarkand. Shazaman was delighted to be invited to see his brother, and the next day left his kingdom with Jafar. However, soon after departing, Shazaman realized he had left a gift behind that he intended to give to Shariar, and so returned to Samarkand. He had left the present in his bedchambers, and it was midnight by the time of his return. Shazaman entered the room and was horrified to discover his wife in bed with one of his servants. The king was hurt, devastated, and enraged. He drew his sword and killed his wife and the servant on the spot. I have been gone for less than one night, Shazaman lamented. How many lovers would she have kept while I was away? Shazaman was depressed, but he still left Samarkand to visit his brother. Sharia was ecstatic to see his younger brother after twenty years, but Shazaman was too shaken and angry to return the feeling. What is wrong, brother? asked Sharia. Are you not happy to see me? Happy to return to the home we both grew up in? I am sorry, said Shazaman. I do not wish to burden you with what has happened to me. Shariar presumed that his brother was merely suffering from the stress and pressure of ruling a kingdom, and so did not press the matter further. The king instead suggested that he and Shazaman should go out hunting. Shariar said, It will take your mind off things, and remind us both of a time before the weight of responsibility which we both bear. But Shazaman could not think. He could not eat. He certainly could not hunt. So Shariar went hunting alone, and Shazaman remained in the palace to wallow in his depression. While alone, Shazaman looked out the window at the magnificent gardens of the palace, the gardens he had played in as a child. He noticed a gathering of servants and concubines. He counted. There were twenty in total. And who was that in the centre? It was the queen. It was Shariar's wife. Shazaman watched as his brother's bride invited all of the servants and concubines to take off all their clothes and... Shazaman could not believe what he saw. But he suddenly didn't feel like he had it so bad. When Shariar returned from hunting, he found his brother in much better spirits. 
Are you feeling better? the king asked. I am, brother, but I fear to tell you the truth. After being encouraged, Shazaman told his brother of how he had found his own wife in bed with a servant, and how he had slain them both. But then he told of witnessing Shariar's wife and the garden orgy. The king was sickened and shocked and in disbelief. I will not believe such a tale, said Shariar, until I have witnessed it with my own eyes. Shazaman said, Well then, tell the kingdom you are going on another hunting trip tomorrow. Then wait behind with me, and I promise you, you will see what I have seen. The next day the king did just that. He waited in the throne room and witnessed his wife in the gardens. Shariar could not watch. He felt betrayed. He felt sickened. He was a king, and he had been made a fool of. The two brothers were disillusioned. They wondered, could any woman be trusted? So they decided to find out. Shariar and Shazaman went on a quest to seek answers. They came to a cliffside where they witnessed a storm cloud approach. But it was no storm. The black cloud transformed into an enormous and powerful jinn, with huge arms, a barrel chest, and with fire burning from its eyes. The two brothers took refuge in a tall tree to hide from the wrath of the jinn. The huge monster held in its hands a chest. He lay the chest on the ground and opened seven locks. Then a beautiful woman emerged from inside. Wife, said the jinn, I wish to sleep. May I lay my head upon your knee? The jinn lay down and began to sleep. The woman then observed the two kings up in the tree. Come down here, she said. The two brothers refused, fearing the wrath of the jinn. Come down here, or I will wake the jinn and he will kill you. Shariar and Shazaman meekly clambered down. I wish to lie with you, said the woman, both of you. The two brothers blushed and refused. If you do not lie with me, I will wake the jinn and say that you did. And so the woman had her way with the two cuckolded kings. Afterwards, the woman showed the brothers a collection of ninety-eight rings. This jinn carried me away the night I was to be married. He robbed me of my love, and so I have taken ninety-eight lovers and a ring from each. I have made a fool of the monster who kidnapped me. And now I will take your rings to add to the collection. Shariar and Shazaman gave the woman their rings and fled back to the kingdom. The two brothers decided that if an all-powerful jinn could be defeated by a mortal woman, what chance did they have? Shariar decreed that no woman could be trusted. He ordered his wife and all his servants and concubines that had been with her executed. The king then remarried 
but placed into law that the day after his marriage his new bride would be put to death before she had a chance to betray him. And it was the task of the vizier Jafar to find these young women and to execute them afterwards. And so it went. For years, hundreds of innocent women were married to Shariar and slaughtered the next morning. The king descended into cruel madness, and the kingdom fell to ruin. Families began to flee, and rebellion stirred to overthrow the mad king Shariar. Eventually, there were no more young women in the kingdom. The only two left were the vizier's own two daughters, Shahrazad and Dunyazad. Shahrazad was the elder, and had spent her life learning all of the stories and music and poetry of the kingdom. Jafar was incredibly protective of his two daughters, and would sooner have been put to death himself than sacrifice either of them. But one day Shahrazad came to her father and said, Father, I will volunteer. If it is not me, it will be Dunyazad. And if it is not Dunyazad, it will be countless more innocents. Let me marry the king. The vizier protested. My daughter, remember the tale of the ox and the donkey. The ox was jealous that he had to work all day while the donkey lazed about in the field. The farmer overheard the donkey recommend to the ox that he simply refused to work. When the ox did that... The farmer simply forced the donkey to work instead. The ox was delighted, but the donkey regretted offering his wisdom. So the donkey then told the ox that he had heard the farmer say that if the ox did not work, the next day he would be slaughtered. And the ox never complained of work again, and the donkey never had to work again. Shahrazad knew this tale well and she told it much better than her father did. But her mind was made up, and her father had given the girl an idea. Shahrazad went to her sister Dunyazad and said, Tomorrow I will summon you, and you must ask me to tell you the tale of the ox and the donkey. The next day Shahrazad was married to Shariah. But as they arrived in the bedchamber, Shahrazad began to cry. What is the matter, my bride? asked Shariar, as if he didn't know. I accept that I am to be put to death tomorrow, said the girl, but I wish to see my sister one final time. Even in his cruelty, Shariar granted Shahrazad this request. Dunyazad was summoned, and she said, my sister, one last time, will you tell me the story of the ox and the donkey? Shahrazad began to tell the tale. She made sure the king was in earshot. She knew this story so well, and she was an incredibly gifted storyteller. Soon Shahariar was enraptured and hanging on Shahrazad's every word. The girl drew the story out so that it lasted all night, and when dawn arrived and the story was not yet over, Shahrazad stopped 
What happened in the end? asked the king. It is morning, sire, said the girl. Stories are for the night time. Anyway, is it not time for my execution? Shahariyah could not bear to not hear the story's end, and so he postponed Shahrazad's execution for one night. That evening the girl finished the story, but immediately she began another, with which the king was equally enamored. Similarly, Shahrazad left the story on a cliffhanger at the crack of dawn, and so her execution was postponed again. And this went on for a thousand and one nights. Shahrazad told stories of kings and jinn, of sailors and monsters, of Sinbad, Alibaba, Aladdin. She told stories within stories and always stopped before the end. A thousand and one nights is nearly three years, and in this time Shahariyar's kingdom healed without the death of any more innocent women. Shahrazad also had three children. On the a thousand and second night, Shahrazad could think of no more tales. But by this point, Shahariyar was madly in love with her and granted his queen a full pardon. Shazaman was summoned once more and married Shahrazad's sister, Dunyazad, and a reign of prosperity and peace ensued, all thanks to the stories of Shahrazad. And these tales would be written down as the A Thousand and One Nights, and when they were brought to the West, they would become known as the Arabian Nights. The end. Hello, it's Stephanie Preisner, and I want to tell you about my podcast, Basically. Basically, if you have anything that you don't understand or you want made simple, you contact me and I get someone in. I get an expert in to explain the situation to you. We've had episodes on what is the story with AI? What is the story with trying to conceive? What is the story with Brexit? What is the story with being the Taoiseach? We have so many episodes in our back catalogue for you to listen to. But also, if there's anything that you currently want made simple, contact me on Stephanie Preisner on Instagram and I will get an episode straight for you. And that is the tale of Shahrazad and the A Thousand and One Nights on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, it's it's an incredible tale. So how so how the A Thousand and One Nights are structured, for those who might not know, is this is how they begin. They begin with this tale of these two sons of Shazaman and, and Sharia, out of them growing up and marrying and discovering their respective wives' infidelities and this terrible and cruel law coming into place where no women can be trusted and that every woman who will be married to the king will be executed the next day before she has the opportunity to even betray him. But when Shahrazad comes into the tale and she begins to tell this story, that is really where the A Thousand and One Nights begin, of course. And so the rest of the collection, and they very wildly... Um, depending on where which country of origin they come from um, or 
which version of it is an earlier or a later version. For example, to get it right out of the way, the most famous stories from the A Thousand One Nights, certainly in the West, would be The Seven Voyages of Sinbad, Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves, and of course, Aladdin and the Magic Lamp. And this, as a Western child growing up in the 90s, this was, of course, my first encounter with any of these tales was the Disney film Aladdin and I always remembered in Robin Williams opening line in the song Friend Like Me uh, there was the line well Alibaba had them 40 thieves Shahrazad she had a thousand tales and so I always remembered the name from there and that's when I started to get much further and deeper into storytelling and folklore and mythology that was my jumping off point there and I first came across a beautiful beautiful collection of these books which I will put in the link in the description below um, as well as my source because I used a more recent uh, Penguin adaptation but was an adaptation of this writer um, Richard Francis Burton Richard F. Burton and it was a beautiful hardback version of these tales, um, which I bought as a birthday present to a dear friend of mine who's a great writer and storyteller herself. And that was the most beautiful edition I'd come across of them. And that was, <clears throat> Burton was the one who popularized the tales in the West. And that is when they became known as the Arabian Nights rather than the A Thousand and One Nights. But so that's a crude background of uh, my background with them. But for those tales that are why I know about them, like Sinbad and Aladdin and Alibaba, interestingly, none of those tales are in the original A Thousand and One Nights. They were all later editions as they spread to other countries and cultures and as they came up around various parts of the Middle East and that was very interesting to me when I was searching for stories to adapt because my instinct might have been to do one of those, particularly something like Sinbad or Alibaba rather than Aladdin because Aladdin just seems too too famous or too big to do that I wouldn't have almost had the interest in doing my own adaptation of it. But I was looking some more at tales such as The Fisherman and the Djinn Jin, which of course what we would call genies in the West, but they would be Jin or Ginny in um in the, in the original places. Um and you have then various different types of Jin or Ginny, um, such as an Ifrit, which is more of a malevolent genie, um, like you have with Jafar at the end of Aladdin. And interestingly, yes, his name is Jafar in this tale, and there are one or two tales, I think it's the tale of the three apples, which is considered one of the world's first detective stories that also has the vizier Jafar as a central character. Um, and it is very interesting, yes, that he then becomes the villain in Aladdin when he is not a part of Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp. Um, but then, but of course, the most interesting thing that I found about the A Thousand and One Nights is this framing device because there isn't a framing device like it in many other folklore collections or myths. 
you know, they're apart from individual stories. Like you could make the case that um, the Hawk of Ackle, um, which essentially combines all of Irish mythology as this one conversation between these two characters, um, that that is some of framing story. But in in the Arabian Nights, in the Thousand One Nights, that is that is kind of the gospel of it. Like that is how they're structured, no matter what version of them you discover. Shahrazad is integral to it, and they are there is a metatextuality to it where they are a collection of stories about storytelling. And that was what was very interesting to me in a similar way to when we did Anansi a couple of weeks ago, and it was how how he created stories or how he gave stories to mortals. But then I discovered this, the the the, the further framing story because I knew I knew in a, about the king and putting the wives to death after a night, and then this one wife who would tell him stories. I had that much in my head, but then when I discovered the background of these two tales, this this quite brutal tale, um, with with these uh, these respective infidelities and these brutal executions of the cheating brides and this incredibly dark side section where they go and they find this other genie uh, who has kidnapped this woman and as a revenge she has, she has taken 98 and now 100 lovers and taken a ring from each of them. Um, it, it, it casts itself in a very, very dark world and if you were to to look at it from even like a feminist point of view it seems very anti anti-female and anti-woman anti-women this this idea of this structure this framing device of you can't trust women that all women are deceitful and the idea of these being stories that were told to children then suddenly seems problematic and it's still important and and occupies its place in history but why should we re keep retelling these and why would I want to tell this story now to people who may or may not know this story but then you have Shahrazad herself Shahrazad who comes into it and takes complete agency in her own narrative she chooses to be sacrificed to the king her father does not want her to does not offer her up but Shahrazad does for the sake of other women and for the sake of her younger sister and has this plan that she can put this to end. And she does not do this with her body or she does not do this with violence or aggression. She does it with stories and with cunning and, and intelligence and compassion. And that suddenly, that suddenly changes the entire narrative. Um, and makes it very interesting that for the beginning of this story, which seems very, with a lot of uh, cheating and cunning female characters in it, that suddenly we have Shahrazad here who completely reverses that and that the whole narrative of this collection that has been around for over a thousand years, the fact that that is a very strong strong such a strong character and that she is the true 
hero of of this tale of this collection of tales regardless of the many different avenues they go down dealing with monsters and ghosts and demons and heroes and villains it always roots back to Shahrazad fighting for her life every single night and always fighting for her life with a new story and that eventually after nearly three years and after giving birth to three children and finally running out of tales hundreds hundreds of tales later she finally gets the pardon because Shariar has finally come out of his madness and finally thinks that no maybe not all women are bad and he can finally uh, admit his love for this one woman but it just um it just felt like for all of the thousand and one nights tales that I did read and again I'll put the link in the description below and for those who haven't encountered them or had or read them yet i do highly recommend um especially one of the always if you can find one of the earlier translations of them which can seem a little bit more alienating when you're reading it from like i'd like reading the early texts of the irish myths and folktales can be quite alien because they're written in a very different kind of style and language but it is worth it to see First of all, how they were written and how they were told and then how they have been adapted and retold over the years. But for all of the tales that I read, I could never get Shahrazad out of my head. And when I wanted to even sample one tale of this vast collection and to just introduce perhaps some new people to these tales who might not have come across them, uh, it just didn't seem like there could be a better jumping off point than literally the origin story and framing device that is in itself possibly the best story of the collection. And so with that, but let me know what any of you think. This is this is a big new world to even just sample into. And I just always, I'm very humble and cautious when I adapt even briefly another culture stories and I always do this with with the most amount of respect and just to just to spread my own breadth of of knowledge as well like I I want to learn more about my own culture stories and and mythology and folklore but I also want to know as much about every other cultures as I can because it just ties constantly back into the idea that every culture has similar stories and that they all just break down to humanity and what it does mean to be human more than anything else more than any magic or royalty or anything like that but yes let me know what you thought of this one and as always if you're enjoying me sampling these other these other world tales from around i'm delighted to have finally done because when i first had the idea to um to dip into other other folklores and mythologies from around the world, this was always very prevalent. Because as I said, aside from the Grim Tales, this is the other big collection of folklore from the in the world. And I could not sample a tale of it. And I'm very happy to have to have dived into this world a little bit. And it will make any time I revisit these A Thousand and One Nights now all the richer. And I hope that there's even a couple of you who might not have read them who might now read them yourselves and let me know what your thoughts are on the stories or on the a thousand one nights i very much look forward to hearing from you but with that i will wrap things up so as always 
message me on Instagram, follow me at Fireside Bard on Instagram, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com and buy my book, Garden Sea, my poetry collection and Neo Myth of Home in paperback or in Kindle from Amazon. Support me on Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com. Next week, we will return to the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology where we have, a, have another of the rave scale of the Thorn. I will see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.